After Jesus started live streaming and the chat filled up, he began to go off saying, W to those who aren't thirsty for this midlife, for they will have eternal life. W to those who take L's from this life, for they will receive an everlasting W. W to those who don't throw hands, for they will secure the eternal bag. W to those who want help passing God's vibe check, for you will save that. W to those who don't cancel others, for they will not be canceled by the top G. W to those whose spiritual fit is immaculate, for their hearts will be cuffed by God. W to those who turn ops into bros, for they will be called CEOs of peace. W to those who catch hands for being valid, for they will not be left unread by God. W to you when the ops be capping hard, and do you so very dirty, because you're my fam. Trust you crushed it and have the eternal W. Join us next Sunday. Yeah, that's, that's, some of you are like, what just happened? Now, I did show this to one of my teens recently, and they said, why can't you just preach like that? Because it makes sense. I can only do so much. I can only do so much. I cannot do that. That was brilliant. Well done. Uh, hey, we have three fun surprises today. Not just one, but three. And that little light in the middle of the song was actually for the surprises. Can we cue that light again? Let's see it. Here it goes. We have, friends, three fun surprises. First, if you haven't already seen it, now you can turn the lights off because that's going to make me go crazy. <laughs> if you have not seen it yet, grab your phone or your device and go to element3.org. We have, friends, a new website. It's a big deal, so much so that there is a spot on that website that says this is a spot for the picture that will happen during this gathering. See, friends, I tricked you all. This is a family reunion. We're all wearing matching shirts. And if you're not, we still love you because you're just awesome because you aren't wearing that because I actually re respect that greatly. What we're going to do is we're going to take a big family picture, okay? So I'm going to get on that ladder over in the corner there. It's a yellow ladder. I'm going to do a selfie, and you're going to be all behind me, okay? This is going to work. It's going to be awesome. We're all going to love it. So everybody, smiles on, powder your face if you need to. Look this way. Here we go. Y'all ready? You gotta come this way. You gotta turn this way. Those in the back, I can't stand. You gotta stand up. You gotta walk in this way a little bit. Ready? Three, two, everyone say cheese. Now I'm gonna be in this time. Just the, my, actually, this is really dark. I can't even see me. There we go. That's fun for me. All right, well done, church. We'll remember this day forever. <laughs> you get to see me run in a sermon, which very rarely happens. Second surprise. Second surprise. This is your own fault. We have a lot of people here. Look around. This is filling up a little bit. And so for Christmas Eve, we're going to have actually three opportunities to connect. Uh, 10 a.m., our very own Dan Bellamy, Dr. Dan Bellamy, will be doing inflatable stories, which is an amazing time. Good for all ages. But really, also, as a father, this is strategic because Christmas Eve is the longest day in the year. Can we open presents yet? Can we open presents yet? Can we open presents yet? Bring them 10 a.m. 
and, and we're going to be have a gospel message and also entertain them greatly, inspire them. And then two services after that. Now, this is important. You're listening, church. That's this Christmas Eve. The week after is New Year's Eve. We traditionally at E3 take that week off. That's 1231. No gathering on 1231. Got in your heads? And here's the third surprise. Next slide. We're going to be going to two gatherings starting in 2024. You get to pick. I get the early lunch crowd. You get the social time in between. And then if you like to sleep in, some of you are, are, are saying a, a very quiet, very excited hallelujah because I like to sleep in. This is going to be happening starting January 7, 2024. Yay! Those are my three surprises. Owners, a lot of the meeting will actually be oriented around this. So you get a little pre-taste of the ownership meeting. Uh, we are growing friends, and I'm really privileged and excited to see what the Holy Spirit, what God is doing in and through this community. And that's through this series called The Beatitudes. Let's transition to that now and actually have the message. We're going to be tying up some loose, rap, some loose ends in this series as we get into the end and transition next week to, obviously, the best day ever. And then a new series coming in and through November. Now, friends, we all have a celebrity story, or some of us will at some point meet a celebrity and have that story of saying, hey, I was in the same restaurant as so-and-so. I mean, there's a time where Wilford Brimley and I did a diabetic commercial together. Why? Maybe. You don't know. Well, there's a time where I accidentally, this one actually is true, I accidentally attended a movie premiere. I was young and didn't know that had Sam Elliott in, in the attendance. Sam Elliott, the famous Western actor. Yeah, he's very short. Very short. Surprising. Shocked me. But then there's this time where I was in a band with a very own Tommy Lee, famous drummer from Motley Crue. Don't, hey, okay. Now, it just so happened it was a UNL marching band, and Tommy Lee was in a reality show. This is actually true. In 2004, he was in a reality show. I was in the alumni band, and I got to be in a band, technically, with a very own Tommy Lee. Now, Tommy Lee obviously knew of me, and we were best friends, and we hang out every... No, just kidding. But in all seriousness, keep this in the back of your mind as you think about the celebrity idea of what this, this, this means, because some people would call this and this experience a blessing, right? But as we've gone through this series... <laughs> I heard that. As we've gone through this series, we know that a blessing is actually proximity to God. Proximity to God. The closeness I have with God is actually what it means to be blessed. We've done this for 10 weeks now. Whether it be Mike, Pastor Lori, uh, Dan, oh, all of us have kind of got this idea that these beatitudes, these ideas of what being blessed is, is actually proximity to God. And all of these different teachers have done a wonderful job outlining and understanding what this poor in spirit, the meek, the hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, and all those weeks have culminated too. However, how many in your daily lives are actually encouraged to be poor in spirit, to be meek, to be merciful? See, these beatitudes are countercultural for Jesus' day, and they're so countercultural to us today. How often are you encouraged in your families, your jobs, or even your personality to be hunger and thirsting for righteousness over profits and efficiency? Who's ever told it's okay to mourn? Mourning is, a, is, a, is an attitude that we are actually told not to do. It makes other people uncomfortable. So, oh, just be happy, please. Stop mourning. More often, we are instructed that happiness, joy, and pleasure to feed a happy heart is more fulfilling than a heart that may be pure, as the Beatitudes outline. 
But in each, these countercultural actions become a new Ten Commandments of being a Christ follower. Just as Moses ascended Mount Sinai and talked the Ten Commandments originally to the people of God, here Jesus ascends a mountain and speaks as God. These signify who we are, what we are, and what our relationship will be with our God. We shall be inheriting the kingdom, comforted, filled, treated with mercy, and be able to see God face to face, and even be called sons of God. This brings me to my second point of wrapping this up. In our society, we see things both as transactional and either winning and losing. We all are about a win versus a loss, right? And I put, example, Florida State. Yeah. Yeah. You are. There, there is an energy here, just as there is in the Midwest of this little place called Lincoln, Nebraska, where if the team wins on Saturday, worship is like, woohoo! And I, I can measure, I could, if I could, I would write a book on this, and maybe I will. That on a Saturday or a Sunday, when you lose on a Saturday, worship is like, oh, blessed are the ones. But consistently through scripture, Jesus says in the kingdom society, Value is found in relationships and motivations, not in winning and losing, not in in gaining stuff. It's relationship and motivations, friends. And if you're a millionaire, that's great. But the motivation of being that and using those funds for planting the kingdom is more important than actually being a millionaire. You know a celebrity? Awesome. How's the relationship to that person? And this is so foreign. We do not get heaven points to somehow get to heaven. Yet most of us play this game in our minds that if I do something good that somehow Jesus and God loves me more, right? We, we get this mentality because of our culture. You cannot buy your way in both terms of money or good deeds into heaven. In fact, it's just the opposite based on the attitudes. Being blessed is not something, it is an orientation to someone. The challenge of this thought is that we cannot measure relationship and motivations. How do I know if I'm blessed? How do I know if I'm somehow there? What is the action to live out in these beatitudes? And today I want to jump to the way end of Matthew in two different spots to understand how we can be blessed, how we know we are blessed. The first one we're going to stop in is Matthew 23. I'm going to really abbreviate this very quickly because this is the whole series itself. This is the woes. Jesus says on the mountain to the multitudes, these beatitudes, this is what it means to be blessed. And then privately to the disciples near the end of his time on earth, He gives these several woes, and they go like this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom's heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. That's the very first one. He talks about them seeing they hold holy the outside versus the inside. He says, woe to them. He calls them blind Pharisees. Clean the inside of the cup and the dish first, and the outside will also be clean. He looks at them and says, you are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead bones and everything unclean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You build a tomb for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Real uplifting passage. Churches don't like the woes. Pastors don't like preaching on the woes. But it's important to understand and think that just as I may think, oh, the Beatitudes, how nice, blessedness, wonderful. It doesn't really live it out. The woes we certainly don't think would apply to me. They're about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. No way is Jesus somehow maybe talking 
to me sitting here right today. And I must pause here and ironically call out that if Jesus was here today, I would be one of those teachers of the law. These woes must convict, shake, and stir up those who seek holiness to ask the question, not only am I blessed, but could I actually be cursed? See, Jesus shares parabolically a lesson that will hit home much more than these blessings or woes for both the ancient disciples and these sitting here today. In Matthew 25, Jesus, after sharing these woes, he goes and he shares several parables about the end of the world. And this one I want to share in hopes of understanding that this is not about the end of the world. This is about right here, right now. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Do you notice the amount word there? Go back one slide. How many nations? It doesn't say just one. It doesn't say just Israel. It doesn't say just the United States. It doesn't say any of these nations you can consider that I'm a part of that I somehow have an inside card of, a, 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 you know, I have a driver's license for Florida. It says all, all, every state, every nation, every single person who's lived on this earth will come before him. That's key. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and gave you something to eat. I was thirsty and gave you something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty, give you something to drink? When do we see a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick and in prison and come to visit you? Verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's fun. <coughs> for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. And he goes on and does the same thing. But look at verse 44. They also will answer, Lord, when do we see you? hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you. He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment for the righteous to eternal life. There are some sermons that need a lot of explanation and explanation of ideas and concepts and cross-references. And then there's some, like over these past 10 weeks, is summarized by a beautiful parable that just needs a little bit of explanation. There's four points I want to make. First, the sheep and the goats are very similar, but they're still very different anatomically. Most of us in this room could point out and say, yes, that's a sheep and that's a goat. From far off, though, they look very similar. They act differently. And it's very something that would culturally make sense that a shepherd would, at the end of the night, separate the sheep from the goats in different pens to keep them safe. They need different types of places. Point two all will be judged with zero impact on their status or celebrity. Not just a few that Jesus brings in, not just a couple hundred or thousand people, not just a million or a billion, but think about every single person. Every single person will be judged. And that goes to the next three. All are judged on what they did for the least of these. The least of these is what's 
perplexing for us here today, right? Because the least of these may be people that we come into contact with daily. And some of us say, well, I've never even seen a least of these before. But least of these is where we're going to get into and really understand that this is what these Beatitudes are calling us to be, calling us to become, telling us what to do so we know if we are blessed or cursed. And the fourth point, and this is one that hits home for me, both groups are surprised. The sheep and the goats are surprised that, that, that I could be living a life where culturally I'm some sort of horrible person, a fan of the Big Ten. I said, give you a second there to catch that up. You friends. I could be a horrible person based on culture. But then I'm shocked at the judgment day because Jesus says, hey, you are actually blessed and have an inheritance of the kingdom of God. Are you kidding me? This just this, this can't even fit inside my brain, the idea of that I get to inherit the kingdom that Jesus has made for me. And similarly, I may be a pastor of a church and take a selfie a few minutes ago of all these awesome people, and you are awesome people, but I may actually be surprised on judgment day because maybe I didn't reach out and do enough for the least of these. See, if you want to understand these beatitudes and the idea of being blessed, we must understand this parable speaks to me, both at the end of judgment, but moment by moment, daily engagement with our shepherd. Do you measure your life by this? And do you know the shepherd's voice? Let me put this in terms we can understand. Friends, if I would call up Tommy Lee and ask to do a reunion tour, what do you think his response would be? Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Get off my phone. But if I actually call up several of the people that I was in the same row with, we all played trumpet together, and said, hey, you want to grab, grab our horns? And Yeah, that's what we do, all those band nerds. We all come together and do reunion tours. But all seriously, if I call them and say, hey, let's get together and play Hail Varsity, they'd be like, sure, man. Tell me when and where. Because I had a relationship with that entire row. We went through experiences together. We all had Tostitos chips in the Fiesta Bowl and then tried to play our instruments. It was awful. <laughs> the relationships and the motivations is what I'm talking about. Not the things we got, not the status that I was. It's the relationship and the motivations in those relationships. It has nothing to do with Tommy Lee. I'm sure he's a super nice guy but my relationship to him is based upon a funny story. Friends, is your relationship to Jesus based on a funny story? Is it based upon just a convenience, trying to impress someone you're sitting by? Is it based upon the same action done mindlessly throughout your years that you go to church on Sunday because you go to church, but I don't actually have the relationship with the shepherd? even if we were like the Gen Z translation of King James, either one. Regardless of my background and my status in life, we all must seek to be called sheep by this good shepherd. On our day of judgment, whenever and however that looks, what will the shepherd say to me? You are blessed or you are cursed. It's not an accounting of how many and how much I've given to the very least. It is the fact that all of us are commanded to serve those. Even if I'm a millionaire 
or a poverty-stricken least of these, I must consider my blessedness in orientation that I must live out these beatitudes. Perhaps my sheep status will be that I was a father or a mother. Perhaps me being a sheep will be because I was a good sister or brother, a good child to my parents, or that I served someone who was Jesus' brother or sister, the refugee, the poor, the hungry, the homeless, the spiritually lost, the person who I invited to a relationship to Jesus who's sitting here right now. Just real quick, raise your hands if you were invited to this church by someone who's sitting in this church. Yeah. Some of you are thinking about that for a minute. It's been a while. But those types of relationships and the motivations for those relationships is what changes eternities and changes statuses of goats to sheep. That's what I love about Pastor Lori and Pastor Mike, that they're not about their own status and their own ideas and their own prestige. They're in it about their relationship. Why can't I ever find them Monday through Friday? Because they're meeting with you all. And there's evidence of that, that we are a pastoral staff who is driven and desires to bring blessedness and the person of Jesus Christ into every relationship in any way we can. And that's our motivation. Can you do that as well? Can you change someone's eternity? Not because of your status or because of your power or because of your money, but can you change someone's eternity by orienting them around Jesus? It will feel uncomfortable at times because this group of diverse backgrounds, of diverse ideas and thoughts and even beliefs of who and what God is can be united around the person of Jesus is so awesome, but such an experiment in what a church actually is. And I'm just privileged to be watching it from my vantage point. Let's continue becoming blessed, E3 Church. As a worship team comes out to close our set, I want you to listen to these last lyrics and consider where you need to make room for God in your life. Regardless of talent, of wealth, of status, or what our world says, I'd like you to stay seated and consider these lyrics. Consider them as a church, but also as the big C church. That we must pave a way for the kingdom to be built here in the city, regardless of what our outsiders, Christian or not, say about us. And it's by our actions and living out these beatitudes, we call ourselves blessed. Stop using these terms flippantly and realize that our orientation to God is eternal, as God incarnate, God's spirit, and that relationship to those three as the only factor that's worth calling blessed. With that, I invite you to listen to this song.